So we're looking today at Mark chapter 4 and this wonderful event of Jesus calming the storm. Um, seemingly casual decisions uh, and words spoken can change the course of the future, can't they? Um, perhaps you might be thinking to yourself, what would have happened if I, if I hadn't gone there or if I hadn't said those words, uh, perhaps in a positive way or in a negative way, things would have been a very different. Well, what would have happened if the disciples hadn't uh, gone with Jesus, Jesus insisting here that they go over to the other side of the lake with him on this boat? What, if, what would have happened if they had refused out of fear, perhaps, of an ensuing storm? Uh, refused to go with Jesus onto the boat. Things would have looked very different indeed. Here we have a vital lesson for the disciples to learn about faith in God, faith in difficult times. And I hope today to encourage you along those lines. Simon Peter here is recalling this life-changing event. He's recalling it to uh, to John Mark in this gospel. Uh, he remembers the details because, well, that's what happens, isn't it? When you go through a trauma, you remember those seemingly insignificant details of things that happen, maybe the music that was playing in the background or the smells uh, that were arising around that, that traumatic event. Uh, Peter remembers. Uh, this, though, most of all, that Jesus was asleep. <laughs> he was asleep in the boats whilst there was the worst storm of his life. Years later, uh, Herod, the king, uh, killed James, the brother of John. Peter was next because we're told in Acts chapter 12, it, it pleased the people. Peter was confined to prison in the day. Four squads of soldiers were set to guard, weren't they? You remember that occasion in Acts chapter 12? Soldiers were set guarding around him. He was due to come out before the people to be executed. His, his last hours there for Peter, what was he doing? What was Peter doing? He was sleeping himself. He was asleep. He was at peace. He had learned on this occasion in Mark chapter 4, this vital lesson of trusting in the Lord. Peter had learned to trust in Christ, even with his very life. And we must do the same today. Peter knew that the decision to travel to the other side of the sea was not a mere coincidence. Uh, this and the, the fact that this event took took place on their journey it wasn't a coincidence it was the providential leading of a loving and caring savior and it was a lesson of teaching them to trust in him to so see firstly then that jesus is the one who takes them into a storm storms in the bible are symbolic as well as real uh, real events they are symbolic of the afflictions 
that come to God's people. The Bible is so honest, isn't it? The Bible is so brutally honest, so that often we hear uh, the truth of what is going on in our own lives. And sometimes it seems as though the Bible is contradicting itself, but it's not. Uh, We are being taught here that the Lord is teaching his disciples through the storms of, of life. I think of Job. Job uh, uses this language. Uh, Job chapter 30, uh, verse 22. You lift me up on the wind. You make me ride on it. And you tossed me about in the roar of the storm. It's God's hand upon this man there. There are all sorts of afflictions that can come your way. Uh, We know that. Some are brought to us because of our sinfulness and our thoughtlessness. Uh, Sometimes we suffer because of the wrong things that we have done, the mistakes that we have made, and it can have a direct impact on ourselves and on our loved ones. We lack the wisdom that's available to us. The Lord teaches us in times like that. We have to stop. We have to stop being so silly we have to listen to biblical wisdom and start walking in right paths like we were singing with the children in earlier um teach us to be godly Uh, we need to be godly we need to follow wisdom and the path that god would have us so that we avoid future problems there's practical wisdom like that um how sad it is to see people falling into traps again and again Other times, the Lord himself leads us into difficulties, and it's not because of anything wrong that we have done. It's not because uh, we have made stupid decisions or because we have sinned in any particular way. And that's what's clearly going on in this account. These fishermen, these disciples as well, Uh, are traveling with Jesus on this boat and they are going into incredible difficulties and they haven't done anything wrong. Jesus is going to teach them something that they would never be able to read in a textbook or a seminary class or a theological course or a Bible study. Jesus knew that they must be taught through the trials of life. Notice how Jesus, sorry, how Mark records for us teaching uh, in this gospel account. You could see that um, in uh, the previous chapter, perhaps you, you could just scan over there. There's lessons being taught by the Lord Jesus in the beginning as well of, of chapter four. Uh, Jesus gets into a boat. Why is he getting into a boat there? It's not because he's traveling across the sea. He's he's getting into the boat so that he he can teach the people who've crowded in on the shore of the of the of the lake there. And so he's it's for a practical purpose. But also there's symbolism there as well that Jesus is standing in this boat as the as the master and as the uh, wise prophet teacher he gets into the boat and he begins to teach there 
And then he begins to teach the parable of the sower, the lamp under a basket, the parable of the growing seed and the mustard seed, these precious words of Jesus. But then notice following Jesus teaching, uh, he, he is demonstrating. Demonstration follows teaching. He's demonstrating his absolute authority over the wind and the waves. He demonstrates then the his absolute authority over demonic forces. He demonstrates his absolute authority over sickness and death itself. Death itself, yes, I said that. Jesus demonstrates his absolute authority over, over death itself. He's demonstrating his power. Notice now that they think that they are taking Jesus out to sea, don't they? As Jesus' command um, that sends them away, Jesus, Jesus says to them, let us go across to the other side. It's his idea. But then in verse 36, leaving the crowd, they took him. They're taking Jesus. They take it upon themselves to usher their precious uh, rabbi uh, onto the boat um, just as he was, just as he was uh, in absolute real physical exhaustion. Jesus has been ministering under incredible strain. There's, there's an emotional strain there for sure, uh, but there is a physical strain upon the Lord Jesus in his teaching and his giving out again and again and constant and the great constant giving out and the, the great crowds of people who are coming to him with their needs and Jesus giving to them, teaching. Uh, I know <laughs> that just from speaking, even from my, my office for half an hour, it can take quite a bit out of you. But goodness me, the Lord Jesus has been teaching all day, uh, long hours, uh, early in the morning, late in the evening. So he is exhausted. And the, the, the disciples feel that it is they who, who are taking Jesus uh, onto, onto the boats. These are, after all, of course, we know, uh, and a good number of them are experienced fishermen. And how do they view the Lord Jesus? Well, they view him with love and care. But they also view him as the carpenter, perhaps. We better look after him. We better look after our friends. Let's get him into the boat. He says we've got to go across to the other side of the lake. Let's, let's take him there. We're going to make it safe. And we'll we'll get him there, boys. But, but, but what do they find? Often we could think like we're in charge. Uh, I'm in charge of things. I'm in charge of the boat. I'm experienced in this. I've kept myself in tip top condition all of my life into later years. I've done my daily exercise. I've looked after my, uh, my, uh, my diet. And yet something takes over you. I'm experienced in uh, many things. Some of us are very capable of achieving great things. And then all of a sudden, 
those gifts can be taken away from us. And it's important for us to know, isn't it, that it's not us who's in charge. It's not me who's in charge. I am not in charge of the boat. It is only the Lord God Almighty who is in charge of the boat. We're wrong. God knows. God knows. And he alone knows. He is in charge. He knows every wind and every wave that's going to break over us. And he cares for us, as we will see. They thought that they were in charge. But actually, it's Jesus's word that's in charge. It's Jesus's word that brought them out safely to the other side. Jesus commands my destiny, we sing, don't we? Now, what I'm saying is that Jesus takes them out into the storm. I'm not talking about the end result right now. I'm saying that it is Jesus who takes them into the storm. The Lord will bring you safely through the storms of life. But it's also not an accident. There are no accidents in Jesus's dealings with you. Dear friends, this morning, please know that. Those seemingly uh, incidental decisions that you've made, those events that have overtaken you as well externally upon you in your life, they were not accidents. It's the Lord. He's led you thus far and he will lead you safely onwards. Jesus desires your trust. And so Jesus takes you into some storms in life. So we've seen there then that Jesus takes them into the storm. See, secondly, see then a sleeping saviour. The storm then, uh, as we know, as we've read as well as Nathaniel helpfully read earlier, the, the storm arises, uh, storms we know, I, I don't know personally, but from the books that we read and of people's experience in the, in the, uh, in, in this uh, lake, they would have been whipped up all of a sudden. The mountainous regions would bring those, bring those storms in. So this was known, it was a, a, a known thing that would happen on this lake storms arriving arising so and but this everyday trip a trip that these disciples would have known so well to travel across to the other side uh, this turns out to be something very very different who would have thought at the beginning of uh, January 2020, that in January 2021, we would be speaking about all the things that we have been speaking about, about social distancing, about hand sanitization, <coughs> about lateral flow tests, about face masks, about not being able to meet inside buildings. I'm so pleased to hear that you are meeting this afternoon but obviously many a lot of a lot of our churches haven't been able to meet even over such a lengthy period of time and it's 
so sad. We wouldn't have thought of it, would we? We wouldn't have dreamt of these things overtaking our lives in the United Kingdom, let alone to speak of the whole of this globe. We can't imagine it. We couldn't have imagined. Who knows what the rest of this year will bring? The word here for the storm uh, that Mark uses is actually a word used for an earthquake. <laughs> an earthquake. The boat now is reduced, isn't it? It's no longer a traveling vessel. It's a it's a box to that is desired to keep together to keep the people safe within. It's no longer a traveling vessel. It's really been reduced to a useless piece of wood that's been tossed to and forth and back and forth, up and down in this earthquake of a storm. This is a mega storm, one that shook the sailors to the very core. I'm sure all of you here this evening, this morning, can think of times when you have been shaken to the core. It might have been just that loud bang, or it might have been uh, a sickness, shaken to the core. But this is so surprising, isn't it? So strange. Uh, we've been on long boat trips before. Uh, we, as a family, we once travelled from uh, from England up to uh, up to up to Denmark, and um, it was a ten-hour uh, travel. And there was a horrible, horrible storm at night. And I tell you, it was impossible to sleep. Impossible to sleep. Your, your stomach is churning over constantly with the back and forth and the engine struggling over those large waves. And I remember feeling for a, a good three or four days afterwards that sensation of having my stomach churning over. Uh, but Jesus is asleep now. Jesus is asleep in this incredible mega storm. When you were told this story as a child, um, I wonder if you'd been told that poor old Jesus was simply tired from his long day of teaching. Well, certainly that was the case. But that's not the primary lesson here, is it? Because you know, I'm sure you know, uh, Jesus was certainly tired. He, he's not pretending to be asleep. It's not that he's lying there with one eye open, keeping an eye on the disciples, seeing whether they really do trust him. No, he's, he's really asleep. Jesus never plays tricks on people. Isn't that wonderful? It's wonderful we have a saviour in Jesus. He does never plays tricks. He doesn't, he's not concerned with the drama of the occasion. He's concerned with our soul's well-being. Jesus certainly did suffer real tiredness, but everything Jesus did, he also did deliberately. He really was asleep, but he really wanted to show these disciples that they were not in control of this situation. He was asleep, but he's showing them that they are not in control. It's a horrible, horrible feeling. Uh, don't get me wrong, it's a horrible, horrible feeling to know that you're not in control of a situation. 
the reins have gone out of your hands. A horrible feeling. Some people just can't bear that feeling of not being in control. We have control freaks around us, don't we? But Jesus is testing them because they had two great problems. One was this. Is Jesus going to be able to get us there? Is Jesus able? And the other is this. Does Jesus care? Is he able? Does he care? Or another question would be, is he willing to help us? Is Jesus willing to help you in your difficulties, in your life, in your future destiny? The disciples thought that they were the ones in control, but we've seen that through this trial, they were being shown that Jesus was in control over everything. Yes, he knew the wood of the boat. He's the carpenter, perhaps. He knows how wood stays together, how it's held. Um, we've got a, a carpenter in, in the church, and it's, it's amazing to see how he can work those joints to get them to stay, often without, as, as I do, with screws, uh, lots of screws and lots of glue. Uh, a good craftsman doesn't need lots of screws and glue. Uh, they can make the, the things stay together. Yes, Jesus knew about the wood of the boat, but he also knew the wind and the waves. All things are under Jesus's authority. Things in heaven, things in earth, all things must submit to Jesus's commands. Do you believe that? Today, do you really believe that, that Jesus is in charge? He is the one who calls to you. He is the one who calls. Let's go. Let's go across. Let's go to the other side. He says he's going to go with you, though. That's the good news, isn't it? Not only is he the one who calls for us to go, but he's also the one who goes with us, who holds us powerfully in his hands. Do you believe as well, then, in your trust that Jesus is sovereignly in charge, that he will carry you through, safe through to the other side? Are you sure? Is there a bit in the back of your mind that says, no, I'm not, I'm not quite sure? Well, let's pray and let's seek his face together. The disciples clearly think that Jesus doesn't care, though. They might believe that he is able. They've seen Jesus do many wonderful things already. We're only in Mark chapter four, after all. But they've seen him do many wonderful things. But the issue here isn't his sovereign power. The issue is his loving care. Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Is this not the heart of many people's problems today? People don't know that God cares for them. You can walk into many churches today and you will be given that impression. Come into church influence and Christians presence. Do people know that you care? People sense today in society, though, don't know whether they go into buildings or not. Does anyone care for me? 
does anyone really genuinely understand me and care for me? They're in fear. They have real fears. And they're wondering whether anybody cares for them. Does Jesus care? Well, dear friends, we're here today to declare that yes, indeed, he cares. He cares for you. He cares for me. They, these disciples needed to be tested because Jesus wants their full trust in him. Does that sound unfair? Well, we all do it when we're deciding to commit to something or to someone. We ask, does she love me? Does she love me? We're never encouraged to take a, a list of requirements to the first date, are we? But in the back of our minds must be some tests to prove the other person's affections. Well, Jesus does care. And he's calling for you to trust in him today. That's the very reason why he has taken them out on this boat. He must wrench these poor men from their earthly securities. From the, the self-given security of self. There is intellectual arrogance. But there is the arrogance of the fisherman who says, I know these ways. I know these ways. All such trust in self. Today we are calling for in, from God's word to be destroyed. Do you see then that the great storm of verse 37 becomes a great calm of verse 39. But this only creates a greater storm within their own hearts. They're being shaken to the core. Verse 41. And they were filled with great fear. Well, let's see what that means then. Lastly, thirdly, why are you so afraid? Has he not then proven himself to be utterly adequate to carry you through this life from where you were to where you are today to where you will be in the end? Has Jesus not already proven himself sufficient? Will he not take you through to the other side? What real reason have you to fear today? When you take this account in context with the following accounts, we're given, an, given a sense, I think, that something more is going on here than merely a natural storm. The wind and the waves want to destroy Jesus, don't they? They want to destroy the disciples. There's that element to the event as well they the wind and the waves wants to destroy the disciples trust in jesus i wonder whether there are dark forces at work here in the sea these this this this, this storm had had teeth to it when you're afraid, you, you clamour up. When you're afraid, joy is removed. And you become 
ineffective. That's the outcome. Are you going through storms then today? Do not be afraid. Of course, Jesus calms the storm. The psalmist writes many, many years earlier, of course, he made the storm be still and the waves of the sea were hushed. Psalm 107. Do we not learn to trust in him? I, I spoke, I've spoken to children in the past doing assemblies and so on. Um, and we can emphasize when we're doing the children's talk on Jesus calming the storm that uh, Jesus uh, rebukes and he it's like he he tells it off and he's sort of shouting peace be still <laughs> and that can be quite exciting for the children to hear and get, they get very excited to think of Jesus shouting at the storm and giving it a good telling off wonderful but really it's it's about peace. This whole account is about peace, peace within the heart of the disciples that Jesus wanted and peace for the winds and the waves. So Jesus speaks really quite literally now. He speaks in the original languages. It's quiet. Be muzzled. Stop your mouth. Be at peace. The wind and the waves then are pictured as a as a dog with great fangs attempting to rip the skin and break the bones. But now Jesus comes and he binds the dog so it will bring no real harm. He stops the mouth by his simple, peaceable word. But do you not think that the stronger words are those Jesus spoke in the silence that followed the calming of the storm? These are, are troubling words, aren't they? They're troubling for me, if I'm honest, and I'm, I'm being honest with you today. Why are you so afraid? And those are troubling words, aren't they? Why am I, why really am I so afraid? What have I to be afraid of when Jesus is in the boat with me? Hebrews 2 verse 15 says that all of those who are without Christ are living in fear of death. Now that's the truth, isn't it? People around us are petrified. Of course, uh, many people retreated to their homes, well, we, as we did, uh, but there was more to it than that, wasn't there? There was this real fear over these last 12 months and it's still there, it's still lingering on and it still will linger on, the fear. But people are petrified, aren't they? What are they petrified of? of? Of death itself. It is the great unspoken fear. People are constantly seeking to put the thought out of their minds. We see it at the funeral. People even there will try to make a joke of death and use insignificant language to describe death. Children today are given a very real sense that there is something so chaotic about life that it brings them real fear as fear in the child they're afraid but we as as disciples of jesus we are living in fear as well why 
why should we be afraid? Does Jesus care for you? Are you sure? He has proven his care, his love, his ability. And he's proven his care and his ability at the epicenter of the message of history that is declaring to you that he cares, that he is able as he dies on the cross. He is able. There's the great earthquake. Amazing love, though, isn't it? How can it be that thou, my God, God should die for me? And so we should not be afraid. We have Jesus in the boat with us. When he's in the boat, it will not sink. It may feel like it, but it will not. He will not allow harm ultimately to come that will destroy your faith. He will not allow harm to come to you that will destroy your faith. Are you suffering then? Bring it to the Lord. Are you afraid? Bring it to the Lord Jesus. Come to him in prayer. Trust in him. Trust that he is the only trustworthy one. He will take you through to the other side. He will take you through as he did for these disciples wonderfully, utterly unharmed. There are terrible storms, terrible storms. I know that. But they will. But Jesus will carry you through. He will not let you sink. What are you afraid of then in conclusion? Perhaps it's that you're inadequate for the challenges that are coming. You feel like you, you feel like you're one of those boats. Uh, I don't know how I would cope. You're like a boat that's drifting. And you say to yourself, I don't know whether I can cope. I don't know whether I can face another tomorrow. There's no apparent solution to the problem. What to do? Well, understand first is the main thing, really. Main thing. Understand that through trials, these storms, Jesus is going to help you. He's going to be with you and he's going to cause you to grow to increase in your faith. He's going to cause you to let go of self-dependency. He's going to deliver you from that tyranny, really. He is completely able to deliver you to dry land by his word. So trust in him. Get in the boat as he's called you to get in it and stay with him till he brings you safely through to the other side. John Newton, I ask the Lord that I might grow in faith and love and every grace, might more of his salvation know and seek more earnestly his faith. T'was he who taught me thus to pray, and he, I trust, has answered prayer. But it has been in such a way as almost drove me to despair. 
indeed we are almost driven to despair in life at times but he is the one we can trust he's the one we can pray to and he is making our faith uh, to grow same christ today he's in your boat he's in the boat with you and he is wide awake